there. Welcome to the Business Rising Podcast, where we provide inspiration, education, and application for busy business leaders. I'm Kenny Lang, the founder and caffeine enthusiast of the Phoenix 21 Creative Agency, and I'm sitting here with newly promoted lead pastor of New Covenant Church, Chris Bauer. How's it going, Chris? Very well. Thank you for having me, Kenty. Kenny. Kenty. Kenty. Hey. Kenty, I that's that's uh, my name. And I was and thinking other... when you when when you I'm sorry, my brain just runs in places when you said <laughs> newly promoted. My brain went to newly minted, you know, kind of have that minty fresh feel. I, I would say that you are minty fresh. Thank you. So maybe we could get that's that a on, high honor coming from you <laughs> on the new on your new business cards is is a uh, lead pastor. And minty fresh, minty fresh. Maybe, or we could do it subliminally and put like like a York peppermint patty or something. Mm. So and, NCC sponsored by York peppermint patty. Yeah, I honestly, I think we could get more people taking communion if it was a York peppermint patty. And I, I am all for that. I have said for years that we should at least use uh, you know fishies goldfish instead of. Uh, Star, yeah, there's, there's a great uh, amen. Yes, or as uh, Dane Cook once called it, the uh, Jesus or Crouton O Christ. There you go. So yeah, even even like a stale crouton, I feel like would be a step up. Um, you know, you'd still it wouldn't be pleasant, but at least there'd be flavor. Something a little bit crunchy, right? I just not that yeah. thing. You just kind of. Kind of like, melts in your mouth, kind of. Mm. Yeah, like one of those uh, with those, those little Listerine strips. Of course, there's some some church people. If we just used uh, some kind of mint uh, asserts or something like that, we would all be happier anyway. Yeah. So, or, or um, we could use Altoids, uh, curiously strong, mm-hmm. because Christ was, was curiously, curiously strong, strong. There you, you go. know, because of that supernatural thing. But he was a carpenter, so I have to imagine. You know, he was jacked. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so what we are talking about today is don't leave your brains at the altar, how to grow your church with basic business principles. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what what does it mean to not leave your brains at the altar? What have you found? You've been in, in ministry for how long now? I've been in ministry for about 26 years. Okay. Uh, interrupted by about a five-year stint. Uh, we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> right. But, That's for a different different podcast right. another day. Um, and, but during that time, you also co-founded and ran uh, a successful uh, media video production company uh, for 12 years? For 12 years, for right. For 12 years. So now, the company's still going. I just, I, I left. Left after, after 12 years. Right. full-time ministry. Go okay, and, gotcha. Yeah. So this helps just give some people some context. He's 26 years-ish uh, in full-time ministry, but also um, full-time um, business owner, entrepreneur um, for, right. for 12 years. Right. And I wish I knew when I was running the business, some of the things that I've learned running a church, because we would have been much more successful at running the business, <laughs> although we did well. Good. Yeah. So, so what is, um, so what have you brought from the business world? What if, what is it meant to not check your, your brain at the door? And I think, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek there, um, that there's so many churches out there who are struggling to break, you know, I, I think was the, the 200, 250 barrier is probably one of the toughest um, in yeah, terms. The, two, the 200 barrier is, there's the 100 barrier and the 200 barrier. Once, you, once you've started a church or even if, if you're in a church that uh, just has not uh, traditionally grown past those, those numbers, that 100 mark is a, is a real benchmark. And then getting past that 200 mark is, a, is another big benchmark. Gotcha. So what um, what is it meant um, to to grow um, New Covenant Church, <clears throat> which um, is is right around that that two hundred and and we even saw I believe higher numbers than that um, during in aver- Easter in, in average attendance right our our uh, our membership as. Any pastor will tell you membership and average attendance can vary <laughs> quite a bit, numbers. right? Our 
our membership is closer to 300, but average attendance is more around 200, 180 to 200. Gotcha. So what has not checking your your brains at the altar meant for you um, and being, uh, you know, stepping into this this newly minted position as lead pastor, um, but for the previous uh, 18 to 24 months, you've served as executive pastor, um, and I feel like that's really when a lot of the church growth things for you started to translate and, you know, bringing outside influences into how you were leading um, growth, because that was part of your your charge, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. I would say the biggest thing that uh, churches and or businesses need to be doing is just have a clear vision, a clear mission mm-hmm. of where they're going, what it is that they do, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of a lot of churches and businesses are are very I don't want to say ambiguous mm-hmm. but you know a church we understand why a church is there but they don't have a a real targeted goal mm-hmm. or even a real targeted understanding of what they're doing and how they're doing it mm-hmm. so therefore we're throwing uh, a net maybe out there to where people may not be the fish aren't swimming. Mm-hmm. You could say it that way. If people don't understand what you do and why you're doing it, once again, that seems almost silly to say that we don't know what a church does. But churches really are all across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Why are you there? Mm-hmm. If a church doesn't have a purpose for being there, why be there? And if right. a business doesn't have a purpose for being there, why be there? Gotcha. So what we've done is is taken the heart of what New Covenant has been since the day that it was founded mm-hmm. and put it into, uh, into action, put it into words where the people can understand it. Was that a, a problem before um, you stepped into the, the executive pastor role um, that it, it, was, it was maybe unclear? Um, or, or too vague, as you've said, a lot of churches have struggled with? Was that a struggle um, prior to you stepping into that role? It, it's vague in the sense that the, the people didn't always clearly understand everywhere we were going and what we were doing. Now, the, the, the pastor and the staff, we knew what we wanted to do, mm-hmm. but we weren't doing a good job of expressing that to the people. Okay. So, in other words... Oh, we have church on Sundays. Y'all come. Show up. <laughs> right. And that's the way a lot of businesses do, too. They, they, they open up, and they've not thought out where they're going, mm-hmm. how they're going to get there, have a real plan of action. When we started our uh, media company, we really thought that people would just beat down our doors because we were so creative. <laughs> and we were such great guys. Everybody wanted to work with us. Mm-hmm. And we had a little money in the bank because we figured, you know, a month or two, we might not have a lot of people. But after that, everybody's just going to be running over to us. And it just didn't work that way. Hmm. We learned quite quickly that if we didn't tell people what we were doing Mm -hmm. and why we were doing it, that we just weren't going to have work. Gotcha. So, so really assumptions about you know people just knowing um, was it was a pitfall and you've seen that as a common pitfall uh, even so far as in the church world where you would think it, it may may even be more obvious than a business opening right absolutely so you know obviously mission statements vision statements um, those sort of and, and goals are nothing new to uh, businesses uh, and even churches um, to have these statements. So, if so many are going through some process of some kind to create them, then why aren't they sticking the landing? Why isn't it um, connecting? And what have have you done with your um, staff at, at the church, or maybe what did you do at, at Glow in the Dark to your media company to make sure it was clear um, and that people actually connected with it um, so that 
they were drawn in. I th- there there is a a a misconception, I guess you would say, that everybody that starts a business or people that pioneer a church mm-hmm. or take over a church that's been there for a while that they have a clear understanding of what it is that they're truly doing, mm. um, especially for smaller churches. Now, you see the mega churches around, and, and they can afford to have somebody come in and, and really help them craft everything that they say. I mean, it looks professional, right? which it should be. And, and in, my, in my opinion, churches, we should do everything that we can to present Jesus not only in a professional way, but in a way of excellence. Right, absolutely. And the way that that you know we define excellence is doing the best you can with what you have. Now, don't underestimate what you have. I right. Think, I think that's where a lot of people miss it. They underestimate what they have. But I promise you that I never had a, a class mm-hmm. on church marketing. Right. Nobody ever sat me down and said, hey— when that day comes that you're pastoring a church, you need to make sure that you have a, a vision statement. You need to make sure that the people in, in the pews or in the seats really understand where you're going and why you're doing it. So that's what I mean when I say misconception. People, especially in the church world, but also in, in the business world, we have a passion for something. Mm-hmm. And we just want to get out there and do it. We're, we're good Americans, and, and there's an entrepreneurial spirit that's just almost bred inside of us. Mm-hmm. And we just we want to get out there and, and express our passion. Mm-hmm. And that's really how a church starts or even how a business starts. I've got a passion for something, whether it be I've got a passion for Jesus, I've got a passion for people, or I've got a passion to in woodworking, so I'm going to start this business that builds furniture. Right. So we jump out there with the passion, mm-hmm. and we think that the passion is what's going to carry us, and we think the passion is what's going to make it work. And the passion for us, and we, as we begin to speak to, to our, if you want to say clients, I hate to call church members clients, but as we speak yes, to yes, them, yes. You know, sometimes that passion will be seen, but if they can't walk away from our church service and be able to talk to somebody at work or somebody at school or somebody in the grocery store and say, Hey, my church is about. Mm-hmm. If that if if they can't answer that question, then we've missed it. Yeah. It's the same way with the oh, I make I make furniture. Mm-hmm. But if I can't walk away from that and and my my customers or my clients be able to tell somebody else why mm-hmm. why that was so good or what he really does or what he specializes in, right? Then we're missing the mark. Absolutely, yeah. If um, that those making those um, you know those core things that your business is about, you know, memorable and repeatable, um, I think has been important. It's, it's something that we've been working on in the agency of you know what makes us different, what makes us not a me too agency. You know, and I think that that's something the church world right the, faces. Ch- the church world really needs that because being you know, here in in Texas, mm-hmm. in 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 the southern part of the United States, where we still have a church on practically every corner. Right. Not only do you have to stand out, but you have to have a reason for being. Right. It's not just hey, we believe in Jesus and we've opened our doors or we leased a you know a movie theater or something like that. Let us right. come in. Right. Um. And it's not that necessarily that those are is it's bad to have a plethora of churches, but um, if if there's not a unique calling on that church to reach a particular type of person, type of people, you know, demographic or or communicate something in particular, then it becomes a a me too church, right. um, you know, and there's nothing distinguishing it, which actually, in, in my opinion, flies in the face of um, you know God created us each individually. You know, you know, while we have many similarities, we all have uh, you know, as this isn't a unique phrase for, 
you know, to me, I'm stealing it, but we were created on purpose with a purpose for a purpose, and that purpose is unique. Um, therefore, shouldn't each of our churches have a, that same unique quality? And if we're not doing that, then really we're we're doing we're we're hiding the uniqueness um, that we convey, um, or we just need help communicating it. Which is where I think honestly a lot of people fall into is having that help. Now, they may not have access, like like you mentioned, some of the larger churches. I know uh, one in particular hired, um, and I think several have, but one in particular I know hired uh, Don Miller and StoryBrand, which they are just phenomenal at, you know, their whole thing is clarifying your message. They actually, you know, we read through their book and we're working through their brand script to really help clarify our message so we can be you know, stand apart as as an agency, but they went through and helped an entire right. church clarify like who, who who are we helping and how could we help people go out and say this is who we are, like this is what we're about. But you may not be able to have Donald Miller come in, but right. you can buy his book. You could buy his book. There are resources. Yeah, and, it, and but I, but I think that's where a lot of now I'm, I'm speaking to to churches. It could be businesses as well. We do, we don't expand our horizons in the way that that we're we're thinking. We have to understand, like it or not, we have to appeal to people, right? In the church world and in the business world. And if we're not keeping up with what appeals to people or what draws people, we become irrelevant. What, so, what would you say to that that pastor who's listening? And I'm sure that you know we're a church leader. Who's listening and they're thinking it's like, well, no, the the scriptures are and the gospel are timeless, and and we just we stick with that, do, trying to be relevant, or or in any way is just is just pandering to preferences, and we're indulging people in something that you know we we don't want to feed into that. You know, how would you how would you speak into that uh, that situation or counsel that person? Well, um, the the first thing I would say is. What Paul said, I become all things to all people that I might win some. Okay. We have to be relevant to our culture, to our society, or why are we there once right. again? And I understand as as our congregations age mm-hmm. that you have to lovingly encourage. Mm-hmm. The, the older generation mm-hmm. to be open to the new generation that's that's coming in you have to you have to you have to be sure that your your older generation is is willing to 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 stay and sow into or receive that new generation that's coming in mm-hmm. because that new generation is who's going to be leading the church right and we need that that new generation coming in and as far as the scripture not changing i absolutely agree mm-hmm. the scripture doesn't change but the method in way that the ways that we give it changes mm, the delivery changes but the message stays the same absolutely i mean even what we're we're doing right now i was with a, a group that that ministers to the the homeless this mm-hmm. last uh, saturday mm-hmm. and uh uh the man that leads the ministry, you know, gives a uh, a Bible study and mm-hmm. they feed the homeless. Well, he was live streaming on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Well, what is he doing? He's letting people know about what he's doing so he can gain support in what he's doing because you're not going to take up a big offering with homeless people, right? Yeah, and he needs the support, right? So you you've got to, and that may seem silly, mm-hmm. but that's the way that we move with. Culture. We have to understand that we have to be appealing to people. Mm-hmm. You, we can sit and we can complain about it. Mm-hmm. Since I've been in ministry just a little less than 30 years, we've gone from uh, a society that people, even if it was just culturally, went to church mm-hmm. to a society that really does not go to church. And if you get people in the doors once or twice a month, really the way that they're looking at it now, if somebody comes to church twice a month, that's a regular attender. Hmm. Now, when I was a kid, you were there every time the doors were open. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, it was Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You were there all the time. Now, if you get somebody through the doors twice, they're considered a regular attender. So what do we have to do? When I was first in ministry, I could preach for an hour, and everybody would sit there and listen. (laughs) I could preach for an hour and a half, and they might start wiggling. But we can't do that anymore. Right now, I know there's a lot of a lot of preachers that would disagree with me on that, but we have to understand that if we're going be beyond people's ability to sit still and their attention span, that we're missing it. Gotcha. So I have to work on my own craft. Mm-hmm. Wow. I have to, I have to be able to say what I want to say in a shorter amount of time, mm. which means that I may have to. I actually work with more notes now than I did when I first started Hmm. because I have to be much more targeted with what I say. So I keep myself on pace with with more notes. I used to could just run down every rabbit trail that (laughs) anything that popped in my head, I could talk about it. Gotcha. And now I have to fight that temptation while, you know, I'm on stage. Do you feel like that constraint has um, made you in terms of, 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 preaching, teaching, being a speaker, has that constraint um, made you better? I believe it has because I'm much more clear with what I'm saying. I'm much more targeted with what I'm saying. Um, and, and instead of just running all over the place, we have to understand, as every pastor would love mm-hmm. to know that their congregation a week later remembers everything you said the week before Truth right. is, they don't. Right. They're going to remember a story that you told, mm-hmm. or there may have been one point that really struck home with them. Right. So it has made me better in the sense that that uh, I'm stripping away some of the, the fluff mm-hmm. and getting to the core of the message. Gotcha. And I believe people, it impacts them more. Right. Absolutely. You know, in stripping away, getting more more clear, which I think is just removing hindrances to people actually understanding the the gospel or the message, um, you know, that's being shared on a particular Sunday. But I want to um, go back to something you said about people remembering a story and the role of, of story. Because really, in my opinion, I view like a Sunday morning service um, you know, as we're talking about crossing over, you know, business principles that apply in church world for growth is it's a bit of a of a of a sales pitch. You know, right. it's, it is the sales part of um, business. And you know, I heard from is I don't know if this ends up being like third person, fifteenth person, or <laughs> or what. Um, but um, oh man, I just. Yeah, Ken Blanchard on an interview about his new book, uh, One Minute Mentoring, um, said that Norman Vincent Peale once told him that, um, you know, when talking about uh, how God reconciles, you know, different sins and different things, he goes, he goes, I believe in a loving God. I believe he handles those things in a loving way. He goes, I'm in sales, not management. Yeah. And so... The sales piece, one of the things in sales in business world that has picked up a lot, and I'll go back to story brand and Donald Miller, but it's not unique to them. They're just maybe the, mo- the um, most notable about it, but the role of story in, in the sales process um, is, a, is something I've been working on for us to uh, you know, sell you know, more when we get opportunities, and, and it's been working. I don't feel like I'm there yet. Um, but in the same way, and if you're on stage, and really it's a giant sales pitch either for the gospel, for those that um, have have not, you know, confessed Christ as their Savior, and that's kind of the conversion experience. You know, in sales we have conversions, in church we have conversions. Um, how how do you see story fitting into that? You know, what's its importance, and and how do you feel like um, you know a, a, a church leader listening? could start working on using more story. You know, you called this a craft, and I think that that's an important word for us to think about is I think we show up as 
as church leaders and just kind of think, well, my enthusiasm will win the day. But really, there's or my a, much information will yeah, persuade my, people. my overwhelming knowledge about um, you know the original Greek Hebrew and and the fact that I know the word apocrypha um, will convince people of you know you know that you know that they should you know give their lives to Christ. But how do you see the craft of being a church leader and storytelling working in kind of a sales? Function. How, how do you see that working, and, and how would you encourage somebody to get started there? Telling stories to me is the most important part of my lessons. Hmm. Because that's what grabs people's attention. And of course, I back up my stories with Scripture. Right. But if you look at Jesus, he told stories. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he spoke in parables right. over and over and over again. He understood that there is something captivating. There's something about drawing people in by giving them a story, by giving them an illustration. Mm-hmm. If you're not well-versed in, in the Bible, me throwing a scripture out there, you might not even understand what it's saying. I just jumped for those who are listening uh, because thunder uh, just happened. and uh, God is just saying amen to what I'm saying. He is. And so, uh, people on, if you go back and look on Facebook Live, you might find me under the table for just a hair. But uh, sorry, keep going. No, that's okay. So, the story in my, in my lesson, I always start with a story. Mm-hmm. I always start with with. The hook, if you if you want to say it that right. way, I th- just this is kind of the way I set up my 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 lessons: hook, book, look, and took. <laughs> that sounds. Uh, did somebody play that back at half speed? Because I'm pretty sure you just Dr. Seussed us. Yes. So you always start with the hook. You want people. You want to grab people's attention mm-hmm. right up front. Mm-hmm. The book obviously is the Bible. I back up what I the story right. I'm telling right with the Bible. Look, this is how it is uh, applicable in your life and okay. took what I want you to take away from what we're saying, what I want you to do. Gotcha. And that really is a sales pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was about to say that. When, that's... when, when I sat with people and, and we, were, we were going over um, our, our sales with, with somebody that was coming into the, uh, the media company or we were out in their offices usually, mm-hmm. we, had, we had to have that same type of process, mm-hmm. telling them, not in a lecturing kind of way, mm-hmm. but almost in a testimony kind of way, if you understand what I'm saying. If you're, if, you're, if you're not from the church world, you may not understand what I'm saying when I say testimony. Right. Telling people how good Jesus has been for you. I right. want to testify. Right. And we do the same thing in in. In business, mm-hmm. I'm telling this potential client how good what I've done worked for somebody else. Not in a braggadocious type of way, no, but no. you're being honest. You're being real. You're yeah. you're you're setting the hook, right? And that provides social proof that no, this this has worked for some for a person, many people, right? Potentially could work for them, which is honestly, it's it's. You know that is a basic business principle is the the testimonial quote. As a matter of fact, after this is over, we're going to shoot a quick video testimonial because we're going to start um, using those in in our sales um, presentations and sequences and things like that. And so, I definitely think that those are those are powerful um, ways to to hook people in. Well, we all know that the the best form of advertising is word of mouth. Absolutely. So if you can get somebody talking about Mm-hmm. what you've done or how good your business is or how your church has helped them find freedom or or help them come back into a relationship with the Lord that that's the best advertisement that that you can have mm-hmm. absolutely yeah Tra- transformation makes for a powerful yeah. uh, testimony uh, that that works you know for agencies it works for churches it can work for really for any business um, nonprofit when when lives are changed and and you display those and you got to be an agent of change um, then that, that speaks uh, volumes far more than any 
you know, clever creative marketing that, you know, we would like to say, well, we took credit for it. Like, well, you know, there's something better. (laughs) You can be as clever as you want to be. Mm -hmm. If you can't back it up. Right. It's worth. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So having that ability to to tell that story, Mm -hmm. having somebody willing to tell that story. So for you guys that are just getting started, Mm -hmm. get yourself a signature piece. Yeah. (laughs) Something that that speaks to who you are Mm -hmm. and what you can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we first started, we did a few projects for free. I know that we we hate to talk about that, but I needed something to show. I needed yeah. a portfolio. Mm-hmm. So we did some things that were low cost, under cost, no cost. <laughs> right. But we pour, we poured our heart into it. Mm-hmm. And those people that we did that for, they knew that they were getting something special. Right. But it paid dividends like you wouldn't believe. For, because it helped you get future projects. Right. Gotcha. How would you translate that into church world? Well, in the church world, obviously, we quote-unquote do everything for free. But <laughs> uh, you have to understand that um, you've only got one shot with people. It's it it's it can be almost overwhelming, but we we try to tell our serving team every Sunday morning that there's somebody that's going to walk through that door, that this may be their first time in church, it may be their first time in church for a long time, and this is the only shot that we have at them. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with with people that have that are church shopping, quote unquote, but that's not they're not my target, right. Okay. I will let so, I don't want to say let somebody come in, but we we will accept people that are moving from from other churches. But our goal is to hit those people the the de-churched, the unchurched, mm-hmm. the unconnected, or the disconnected. Right. Those that that really are looking for for a home. Right. Yeah. So and w- we have one shot with them. Mm-hmm. And as they say, you've really only got, some people say 30 seconds, some people say three minutes. From when they, they approach the church, mm-hmm. walking through the doors, mm-hmm. everything goes into the, and somebody's going to be mad at me for saying this, but the sales process. Right. The person that we have greeting at the front door, the way that they greet, how they respond to people. It's part of the sales process. Absolutely. The people that we have standing in the foyer when they come in to help them find where they're going, it's part of the sales process. Mm-hmm. The children's check-in station. Woo-hoo! You know, the guy that, that is usually there, he's awesome. Is this guy right here. It's part of the sales process. Right. Because what we say is we're removing obstacles so others can connect with Christ. Mm-hmm. We tell our people that when you're coming to church on Sunday morning, Sunday morning is not about you. Right. You're going to get something. Right, right, because you're, you're blessed giving right. and receiving. Yeah. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. I just threw some scripture on you there. Scripture. There you go. Truth bomb. But looking at that, we, we've got one opportunity mm-hmm. to connect with people. If you're going into the, to the sales pitch time with somebody, you've really got that one opportunity and since our portfolio at the church is people, mm-hmm. we have to make sure that our people mm-hmm. are healthy mm-hmm. and doing what we've asked them to do as far as serving. We have to sow that vision. It's a longer process in a church right. than, than it is with a, a business because I'm dealing Absolutely. with people that don't work for me. Right. It's, they it's work with me. Sometimes like herding cats. Yes. Yeah. It volunteers is. are like if you if you want to test your measure as a leader, go try to lead people that you can't dangle a paycheck over. Yeah. <laughs> but but the thing the thing is in in a church, we think that it's 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 my wonderful preaching that's going to <laughs> capture them. And I hope that they get to that place, right. but if they had a bad experience in the parking lot, mm-hmm. if they're trying to pull into a parking space and, and one of our regulars zooms in there and gets it before them, 
if at the front door uh, the person is playing on their phone and sipping coffee and not inviting people in, right. if they walk in and they have no clue where the children's ministry rooms are or where the restrooms are or where they're supposed to go, mm-hmm. I mean, that that think about that. That's a, that's a scary situation, especially for people that are unchurched or de-churched. They're right. de-churched because they probably got hurt in a church. Right. And we specialize in that, showing people that, that because... Just because you were hurt in the church doesn't mean that's that's God or that's right. the way that God thinks about you. We right. want you to truly experience a connection with God and with others. Right. We want to create community. I just got our vision in there. Oh, snap! <laughs> um, but by the time that they've come in, they've walked through several layers mm-hmm. before we ever get to the service. Right. Yeah, and if that was not pleasant for them, if obstacles were not removed, mm-hmm. because they are coming in with a preconceived idea of what church may be or what church is, and that people may be rejecting them mm-hmm. or silently judging them or silently judging them, right? Yeah. So if they've not had a good experience before that, mm-hmm. then when we get to the to the the real ask, yeah. We've already blown it. Yeah, so really it's it's won or lost before they even go in for uh, worship and the message. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's the same way, um, you know, we started taking the same approach with our agency sales process that we, about two months ago, um, really worked on and broke down the different pieces to see, like, the combination of, of – Meetings, whether face to face or sometimes we have people that um, we teleconference with. Um, like we'll have one tomorrow that will be an entire just online presentation. They live, you know, like two hours away. But um, the emails in between the the explanation on the first meeting, setting the the precedent for what are the following meetings, and and sounds like. For for us at at New Covenant, um, which by the way, if you didn't know, I am also on staff there and have been there for a decade. But um, is taking those different pieces that you know in business um, to to help people kind of make the jump is you know for our sales process we have a combination of about three meetings um, and probably three or four emails that are strategically timed and placed that say you know strategic things. To help move somebody from this step to this step to this step, so that by the time we get to the actual proposal presentation, um, at this point, it's it should almost be done um, in terms of you know we know what you need. Um, we've we've taken the time, we've built a relationship, and all these things. In the same way, in a church, is that from the the you know parking lot attendant front door greeter the barista you know that you know works the the coffee and donut table and child check in and having somebody you know point out and walk them not point out cuz we don't do that we walk people uh to the to the rooms and show them you know hey here's an usher and an usher will help you find a seat that that's the exact same thing as having your strategic meetings and and emails, so that by the time the worship service starts and then the message is told and then the the invitation at the end. Which, by the way, if you're a church listening and you don't offer an invitation every single Sunday, please start doing that Amen. this Sunday. Um, so you know nobody cares how how cool your sermon was because when we get to heaven, you're not going to get a pat on the back for being the most clever. Um, so. By the time we get there, then it really should have teed up as much as possible. And then it really just comes down to is this, am I ready for this? Is this what I want to step into? Do I feel this calling, this stirring? You know, people use different adjectives, but, you know, so many times before we make a decision, whether in business or in a church, or if we want to make this our church home or something like that, is we're looking for reasons to say no. Yeah. And you've got to overcome that. Yeah. And that's being proactively overcoming those objections. And that sounds like that's, you know, 
something you've taken on as kind of a personal mission through different areas of the church. Can I throw something in there just as you were speaking? You were talking about the follow-ups that you have after Mm -hmm. you've had the initial meetings. And let me just speak to our wonderful church leaders out there. If you're not following up with guests, Mm -hmm. and we call them guests, we don't call them visitors because visitors you expect to not stay. Right. Guests can stay as long as they want. Right. If you're not following up with guests, if if you don't have a real plan in place to follow up with guests, mm-hmm. then you really didn't want them there in the first place. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we have, I'm just telling you what we do, you know, we... We, we have connection cards, and we ask people to, to, to fill those out, and we give them a, a gift um, at our, um, our welcome center for filling those out. Mm-hmm. That very afternoon, we send them a text for thanking them for being there. Mm-hmm. The next morning, they're going to get uh, an email, mm-hmm. once again, thanking them mm-hmm. for being there. And they're also going to get a, a handwritten note mm-hmm. mailed to them. Now, if you're still using old-fashioned, you know, letters and mailing them out to your guest, I would suggest not doing that because the only thing that we get in the mail nowadays are bills, and if it comes in a or regular spam, every yeah. door direct mail. If it if it comes in an envelope that that looks like every other bill, people don't look at it. But if you send a nice little card that's in a a, a different sized envelope. Well, it's like something your grandmother sent you. Yeah, but it's handwritten. Right. It really connects with people that you took the time mm-hmm. to sit down and write that for them. Mm-hmm. So before the first week is over, mm-hmm. they're going to get four touches from us. Right. Yeah. Because we're going to send them an, another email at the end of the week inviting them, them back. back. Yeah. And just to, to speak into that section, because that's uh, something that our agency helped set up was that's um, to get very practical with you listening. That is an automated email sequence that we um, designed and set up in MailChimp and that features free in MailChimp. So if you are that, that church pastor, church leader, who's like, well, we're under a hundred or under 50 or under 200. We don't have the budget to do all this sort of stuff. I don't know why they talk like that. Um, but this kind of voice, um, sound like I'm, I'm sling blade, um, is it's free and uh, it takes all it, all it costs you is some time. Um, and it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be the nicest thing. The, the biggest part is that you took the time to do it. And, but here's the cool thing is that because your time is at such a premium when you are a smaller business or a smaller church or, or entity, because you don't have the dollars to throw at a problem or, or an initiative, the, the sequence we set up is about, it's four weeks long and five emails. And we sat down and we designed those to be very intentional to communicate a message each time. And so on that Monday, really, they're enrolled in a five email sequence that is strategic for us to create engagement, invite them back, and inform them about the different areas of the church so they can get to know us Midweek, you know, apart from hopefully they start visiting and and being our our guest, uh, which now I'm gonna sing that uh, song from Beauty and the Beast. Be our guest. We need to have we need to dress up like that on like Halloween and everybody you know sing that. But I'll be on vacation that week just to let you know. It's a great idea, but I just can't be a part of it. Um, but really we we've set something up that now. It just runs, and and we actually have statistics now on how effective that is, and we'll let it run for a little while, and then we'll measure it and see, is there a better way, you know, could we be more clear on this email and this email, um, and add that to a text message and a handwritten note, you've now, like, like Chris said, is that in the first Five days, well, let's see, well, Sunday, so six days, um, they've received four different um, communications through three different mediums, you know, because that's one of the things that we face and staying relevant today is keeping up with the different communication mediums. Um, And 
And so in doing that, we're figuring out, because everybody likes a little something different. Some people really like their email. Some people really like physical mail. I'm not one of those people. Um, and some people just really love text. Like, that would be my we, wife. We have actually seen more responses from mm-hmm. that initial text, just being a little bit different and that they're getting a text from a pastor or a church leader thanking mm-hmm. them for being there. And that really opens the door mm-hmm. for this sequence of emails that they're going to be getting from us. Mm-hmm. That it, It's just another layer of connection. And then we're just uh, showing them right. who we are through, through, the, through the emails. Right. Yeah. Because they've given us permission. So for, for those of you that... In, you know, do bounce maybe between business and leadership, or if you're just a business leader listening to this, um, you know, you're you're constantly tweaking how you how you follow up and and communicate and building a personal relationship. Well, and, and for churches, it's no it's no different. It just takes a, a little bit of your time, but the relationship really is what wins the day, not the fanciness of anything you have to do and. That's where we have to be, um, you know, be more concerned about who someone is becoming than what they're doing um, and convey that heart because, you know, people pick up on when you just want something from them. And that applies. People are very suspicious about that in, in business because there is a sales transaction happening. But generally, people want to feel like the person across the table from me wants you know, what they have to offer really is going to benefit me and they're not trying to screw me out of something. Well, people have the exact same attitudes coming into churches is, do you, you know, we're in the midst of a series called All the Church Wants is My Money. People have that that misconception and, and, and in some cases, rightfully so, because churches acted a fool and and they really did just want uh, your, your money. But I think when people sense that you really want something for them instead of something from them, shout out Pastor Sam, um, then um, then I think it opens the door for a, a, a very healthy, mutually beneficial relationship because we you know we benefit by having more people because more people can serve. Uh, you know, financially we get we can get healthier, um, but. Truthfully, those are all kind of like side effects of seeing that person's life transformed and and become whole. Right. I think we're moving into, in the church world, um, kind of a new phase, if you want to say it that way. It's It's been very popular over the last 15 years to have to be the coolest place in town. Mm-hmm. Um, have all the lights, the the smoke machines, the and what we're seeing statistically now is that as people are coming in, and even uh, specifically speaking about millennials, mm-hmm. they're not as impressed by how cool we are. Mm-hmm. Thank God. But what they want is someone genuine, right? They're they're okay with lights. They're okay with electric guitars. They're okay with you know everything right. that that we do. But that's not how they're choosing their church. Whereas just a few years ago, everybody was like, "Ooh, let's go over here." It's kind of like a you know a rock concert. Right. Yeah. There's been some some parody articles on the the Babylon Bee, which it just cracks me up about, you know, there was one that said um, some guy got upset after being at Club Hillsong NYC and nobody brought him a drink for an hour. And so he left. And it was, I mean, in some some cases, churches have some fantastic budgets. And I think, you know, Hillsong and other churches do some phenomenal production. It, it, is, it is fantastic. And they really are doing the best with what they have. They just happen to have quite a lot in the area of finances, and I'm not judging them for not that. Not at all, and that's that's but, not normal. Right, it's not normal, but I think the reason you see some of those churches that they, they may have large budgets, but some of them are also winning because of that authenticity that is the power behind it, um, and I think... Um, I think that that shows what you're what you're saying is that it's fine to have those things. They're not like hated, like oh man, those things suck now. But they're 
they're good, they're okay, so long as what's behind it is authenticity and a genuine care about who they are. Which is great for those of us that don't pastor churches with multi-million dollar budgets. Right. Yeah. So we don't, we have nice lights. Yeah. Well, it's just like for, for businesses nowadays, it's never been a better time in America to, and even the world, to start and launch a business because so many tools that used to be reserved for the Fortune 500, the Fortune 1000, those same tools are now available to us with, you know, you know, sub hundred thousand, sub million dollar annual revenue. We don't we don't have to have a hundred employees in order to actually have software that doesn't suck. Right. In the same way, churches are, I think, are reaping that benefit. Is that absolutely what you're saying? That, that's that's uh, the point I was I was trying to make. Is if you ever go to, and I'm speaking to you, pastor and church leader again. If you ever go to maybe a conference at some of these. Um, mega churches, big churches. Once again, thank you for everything that they they pour back into the body of Christ. Right. But you stand there and you look at what all they have, and it's almost overwhelming at times. You're like, I could never be this. Mm. But there's 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 been such a shift in the the mindset of what people are looking for in church. Once again, millennials. Millennials really like community. They're all mm-hmm. about community, and can you find community in a church of you know five, six, thirty thousand? Mm-hmm. Of course you can if if you get involved in in groups. Yeah, but many of them are are shifting back to a smaller church because they like the ability to approach their pastor. Right. They like the ability to know the people that are that are sitting around them. They like the genuineness mm-hmm. of having our scriptures up on screens and maybe there was a misspelled word in it. It's, it's, it's just not so much perfection. It's just more genuine. And I'm not, once again, I'm not saying that, you know, larger churches are not genuine. Sure. But there is that, that shift in thinking where people just want something a, a little bit more um, stripped back, maybe yeah. you would say. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a good word. And I think, you know what? What makes the genetic makeup of churches, at least at least in in America, uh, in my opinion, is that we do we have the startup churches. We have those that have kind of been going, but they found a niche in that you know two fifty to five hundred or thousand or something like that. And and I I believe all churches should be growing in some way. Uh, growth can mean also, living things grow, right? <laughs> That that may mean some pruning. Um, so you know, get your curmudgeons out of the out of the seats. But um, but we also have these large churches who are sewing back in, and I think even they are trying to structure and change. Obviously, it's hard. You know, a little harder to turn a big ship. Um, so that is one benefit that you know you smaller pastor church leader um, person benefits from is that you can make moves a lot faster to yeah. adjust. Um, than some of these other larger multi-million dollar churches have, you know, and there's also, you know, some things that uh, stresses and responsibilities and things that they deal with that smaller churches don't and, and vice versa. There's always a trade-off. There's, there is no ideal. And as, um, you know, I've heard several people say, um, it feels like over the last couple of months is, you know, um, you know, the grass is greener where you water it. So maybe instead of looking over and saying, I wish I had blah, 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 you know, water your own grass. Right. Um, and, but, you know, you can invite people in to help. You can listen to podcasts. You can read books. And like I said, you, we've never had more access to more information, more technology, more things that can help us grow on a smaller budget, whether in, uh, for-profit business or nonprofit and churches than at any other time in history. Um, it really is a right, and I it's, think it's a, so accessible. And that was definitely a point that I I wanted to make before we finished was the the best practice that we can have, whether in church or in a business, is so into yourself. Yeah, because you really are 
the engine that makes things run. If you're a business owner, if you're the the pastor of a church, mm-hmm. as you go, the business goes, or as you go, the church goes. So, right. So if you're unhealthy as the leader, your the body's yeah. going to be so un- into yourself. Get get some time off. Get some time away. Learn. Mm-hmm. Never ever stop learning. I read. I read so many church leadership books, mm-hmm. but I also read non-church leadership books because you can bring the practices over into what are, the church world. What what would say if you're going to recommend say maybe your your top three? Um, and because I, I think a lot of people in church leadership will will probably know a lot of the church leadership books because those things get blasted on every Christian email list. Um, but, you know, if you're recommending three books to get somebody started, um, that would be just deeply impactful. You know, what are some of those titles? Well, um, especially for the church world, mm-hmm. my, my first recommendation would be Simple Church. It changed the the book now is probably probably at least 12 to 15 years old but they mm-hmm. they they keep revising it and updating it but the principles in it are are so good mm-hmm. when i first read that book it just changed the way that i looked at uh, church structure mm-hmm. and it really is about being simple that we don't have to do Everything. I mean, there's a reason that the Lord ordains so many churches mm-hmm. because that that allows us to to specialize, so to speak, in right. what really is coming out of our heart and our passion, mm-hmm. and just pulling back the layers and just really being what we've been called to do. We we don't have to be everything. You don't have to have every. Program, you know, a church of a hundred trying to have 10, 15, 20 different programs going, that's exhausting. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're using the same 20 people to run them all. Right. So, um, and, and who, uh, who wrote Simple Church? It's, it's a, a, a combination of, uh, of several people that have put into it. Uh, mm. Tom, uh, was it Rainer? Rainer. Yeah. Is the, and that's T N T H O M. Yeah. So um, if you if you look that up, and we'll have uh, a link in the show notes as soon as Hannah gets back from the UK, she'll write up the show notes. But um, we'll link up um, Simple Church. Um, I, I hate to keep throwing out you know church stuff too, but you're asking me for yeah, my top. Yeah, three. yeah, yeah. What I mean for this, but you're recommending this. If you met with um, you know uh, Joe Pastor, who's trying to lead a church, and and what would you tell him? To read to get started, well, the, so the, simple church, the, simple church, and the sec the second one is uh, you're going to laugh when you hear this, but it's um, one it's, fish, two fish. No, oh. it's it's called What I Learned While Destroying a Church. Yes, uh, by Gerald, Gerald Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, yeah, we harmonized there. That was beautiful. Yeah. It's it's a smaller book, but it is absolutely fantastic when pastor brooks was first in ministry he took over a church in west texas and he'll be the first one to admit that he destroyed it mm. the church is no longer even there he said that uh, they sold it off it's it, it's now like a discount store now <laughs> so um but he he is so honest in that book with all the mistakes that he made mm-hmm. and as you read through it you can see the temptation to do some of these things hmm. that are in there, and if you if you get into some of Gerald Brooks stuff, he's he's big into leadership. Got a mm-hmm. great leadership podcast. All of his books really speak to leadership, and 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 the principles in it can be used in the the business world. And the last one would be the Essential Druckard. That's just just the, Essential Druckard. Okay, just good good business. That's. That would be my my non church world. Mm-hmm. Um, and who wrote that? Uh, Druckard. Okay. 
So you can look that up. He's, he's an older guy, was like the guy for so many years on, on building businesses and building teams. And it's just, it's, it's just a really, really good book. And I read the book because Gerald Brooks suggested reading it. And Gerald Brooks, if I remember correctly, because I went to one of the conferences with you, um, he served uh, with um, John Maxwell on one of his leadership teams for a while, didn't he? Yes. He um, or was on, he was on some sort of council. I remember him describing. He may he, be on his board, I believe. Yeah, is, is, is what. So I mean, this is. But he considers Maxwell, who is a very good friend of his, mm-hmm. you know, to be his mentor. And and so that just to to help you know people who may not you know I think Tom uh, is I know he has a lot of followers. I think I follow him on Twitter. Um, but uh, Gerald Brooks may be uh, lesser known. But just to speak to this guy's authority, he's really he has been trained by you know John Maxwell is the guy in leadership. Um, and it definitely has a, a wealth of, of knowledge, experience, and wisdom to share. So um, before we sign off and do our shout-outs, um, what's, uh, what's one thing you would, uh, just an encouragement you would give to um, the leader, uh, the church leader who's listening right now to not leave his brains at the altar Um but what what is that one encouragement you'd like to leave uh, him or her with? That it's it's okay to think through things. That sounds kind of silly to even say, but mm-hmm. are you agreeing with me? It sounds silly to say. Yeah, well, it's okay no. to it's okay to think through things, and I'm speaking, you know. I speak more to pastors than I do business people mm-hmm. nowadays. But we have this this term in the in the church, you know, being led by the Spirit, mm-hmm. and we do obviously want to have that connection with with God and be led by the Spirit of God. But sometimes we use that as an excuse for for not thinking things through or not being prepared for checking our brains at the altar. Right, <laughs> right. Um, I know. Some pastors, and I, I used to be this way. I prepared for my Sunday morning message on Saturday, sometimes Saturday night, sometimes late on Saturday night, because I wanted to be fresh from God. But now I'm prepared weeks ahead of time. Doesn't mean that God can't, you know, speak and rearrange some things. Mm-hmm. But when I when I I came to the understanding that that God knows what He wants me to speak this time next year. And if I would go ahead and start connecting with him that way, mm-hmm. that I could already have my topics, I could already start working on some lessons, and then that takes the pressure off of me for that last second mm-hmm. trying to, to get something together. And it also allows me time to, to, to gather good stories, mm-hmm. good illustrations mm-hmm. that are going to connect with people. So thinking ahead. Mm. If if we're saying God can work through preparation, right, <laughs> and and also it's it's the same way in in the business world. Where do you want to go? Think ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's going to get you to the next step right. instead of always living under the uh, the tyranny of the urgent? Right, that's good. What's going to get me to the next place? I want to be in business. What things do I? As Kenny likes to ask me this question, as as. We get together. He said, if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? Right. And yeah. you, you've got to say no to some things. You've got to say no to some people. Pastors, you've got to say no to some people. Yeah, and in fact, having that, that no um, may be far more important than any yes that you say. So, well, um, Chris, how can people... Um, connect with you or find out more about uh, New Covenant? Um, you know, where would you like to direct people to go? Well, if you, if you want to check out our website, which was professionally done by Phoenix 21. Yay! <laughs> it's nctyler.org. And you can uh, see our staff. You can see what we're all about. You can listen to some of our lessons right from there. Or you can check out our podcast on the Apple iTunes store. Yes. So, and if yeah. you want to see us in per- person, it's 4402 Watson, Tyler, Texas. Boom, boom, boom. Nice. 
product placement. Yeah, we definitely we're on SoundCloud and Apple Podcast, um, and we'll keep expanding um, our reach. Hopefully, soon in the next six months or so, we'll um, be streaming live online. Yes. yes. Um, so doing doing everything like uh, like Life Church says, doing uh, anything short of uh, sin or something illegal uh, to reach people for Jesus. Thank you so much for spending some time uh, with us today. Shoutouts go to David the Engineer and uh, his awesome company, DM Audio. So thank you, David, for making us sound wonderful and dealing um, with the goofy uh, things that we do during our setup. Um, and also thank you to Elenium and Quiet Drive for their awesome tracks. Uh, go check them out in iTunes, Spotify, uh, pretty much wherever you can listen to music. Um, Millennium has a new album coming out. He's already released a, a new single from that, so go uh, go check that out. Um, so um, remember, uh, until next time, keep rising. Keep rising.